Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to Left the Straight Shows, guys and gals. It is Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. In just a couple of seconds, I'm going to be joined by my two of my interns that have been killing it over the past four weeks, doing so much great things and getting interviews together and editing and posting on social media. So I have David and Hannah in the studio today. They're going to be running the boards and chatting with me in just a couple of seconds. If you missed yesterday's show, we had a great visit by our good friend Enoch Miller from West Hollywood. He did our West Coast Entertainment Minute that he does once a month on Tuesdays. Then I had two exciting interviews. The first up was a scholar, speaker, and advocate, D.L. Stewart. He's a full professor at Colorado University whose TED Talks on Black Trans Lives is Truly an exceptional piece of work. If you haven't seen it yet, look that up on YouTube. And uh, my intern, Royal, he is one of his kind of mentors and, and, and heroes. So I let Royal come in and do most of the interview yesterday. So that was a lot of fun. And then my buddy, Matt Kai Burmaster from Canada, called in to talk about his career. He's an actor, a writer, and producer. And he created a really cool app called Fearless. And what it is, it's a app that has streaming movies and television shows for minority-based people, for LGBT, for people of color, for women, for minorities. So it's a really cool app that he created, and he kind of gets all this content together that, he create, that other people create, and he creates and puts on there. So we had a great chat with him. And then tonight, in just a little bit, we're going to have a good episode for you. We're going to start off, as we do every Wednesday, with our favorite fiancés, Josh and Jeff, with their J&J Buzz Pop Culture Minute, calling in from Nashville, Tennessee. And then we were supposed to have two interviews for you tonight. Uh, up first was going to be our good friends, Terry Ray and Mel England, from the great play Electricity that Terry wrote and they both star in. Well, it was supposed to start tomorrow night for a three-week run streaming uh, and one of the production staff, there's only going to be the two of them. It's a two-person show, and they had four people doing the crew for it in an empty theater to stream this thing because we know COVID, right? And wouldn't you know, with only six people, one of the crew guys came down with COVID, and now they all have to quarantine for two more weeks. So they're not going to be starting the show tomorrow, so we kind of postponed Mel and Terry for a couple of weeks. They'll be on very soon. But we are going to play our interview that I had day before yesterday with Sam Harris. 
If you're old like me, you might remember Sam Harris being the very first winner of Star Search, which is the uh, American Idol of back in the day. And uh, Sam won that and went on to do some great television and singing, done some great albums and Broadway. Well, he has a brand new book out. It's a fiction book called The Substance of All Things. So we're going to talk to him all about that in just a little bit. So good show. Let's go ahead and bring David and Hannah in and see what's happening in the world before we get started with the show today. Uh, guys, how y'all doing? Everything doing good out there? Good. How are uh, yeah. you? Good to have yeah, you guys yeah. on. I appreciate it. We have uh, David, you're from not too far away. You're over from uh, West Virginia side over there. And Hannah, you're down in Texas, right? Yes, in El Paso, Texas. Uh, you speaking of COVID, how are you handling it, girl? Everything going good around you? Yeah, everything's uh going okay. Uh it's a little crazy here in El Paso. Um I I mean Texas is now closing everything, so I don't know what to deal with the governor, but <laughs> I don't know whether everything is going to be reopened or closed again, so it's, they're kind of going back and forth. There you go. Our Ohio governor had a press conference today at 530, announced it yesterday. He's going to do a big press conference at 530 today. So all day long, people have been speculating, is he going to mandate masks? Is he going to start closing stuff down again? Because our governor here in Ohio is pretty good about shutting stuff down early Started opening stuff up slowly early, but did it very smartly as far as I was concerned. And I'm Joe Democrat. He's a serious Republican, but I thought he did a fantastic job. So we weren't sure what he was going to say today, and he basically said nothing. He said, guys, it's getting really, really bad, and I suggest everybody wear their masks. But you're not going to have to, and I'm not going to do any rules. So I just thought I'd talk to you and give you a rah-rah session, basically, is what it was. <laughs> so it was nice that he came oh on, but God. he absolutely did nothing. nothing. David, what's happening over there in West Virginia? How's everything going for you and your family and everything? Oh, uh, well, our governor just a few days ago had the mask requirement uh, come through. But I live in Morgantown, West Virginia, which is a big college town. So we have right. uh, multiple multiple major hospitals here. So we're having a big influx of COVID right now. So, oh, wow. So interesting. Everything's being wild. shut down. But I'm sure Texas is much worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Texas was like the first one to reopen. So it was just like it was bound to happen um, after they just decided they were going to just open everything. And now the governor is just backtracking on everything that they wanted to say. So I just. It's a mess, it's a mess here. <laughs> right. And this time it's a little weird because the first time, I mean, it was it was really bad and there was a lot of deaths and they were mostly older people. This time mm-hmm. it's a lot more people getting sick, but they're not really dying, but they're younger people is why they're really not dying as much. There's still a lot of people going into the hospital. It's still bad, but it's younger people now. We're talking 30, 25 to 40, whatever in there and still getting really sick, just not passing away from it. So it's good that they're not dying, but it's just it's spiking yeah. big time again. So it's really crazy. Uh, just it is. don't know what to do. What's happening? What's catching your guys' radar today? David, what's anything uh, on your hot button? What have you been reading about? 
Um, well, I guess since we're talking about sad stuff anyway with the, the pandemic, uh, there was just a there was just a survey that was put out on Wednesday by uh, the Trevor Project, which said that two in five LGBT youth in the U.S. have seriously considered suicide in the past year, which I mean, is pretty it's a pretty terrible thing. And they uh, yeah, outlined a, a lot of number. other things yeah, um, where where uh, they said 15% actually attempted within the year. And this is all youth. This is 13 to 24. And they pulled about 40,000 people. So it's a big number. And within the study, they saw that uh, 68% have symptoms of anxiety disorder and 55 show symptoms of major depression disorder. Mm. So uh, it's, oh a, it's a big thing that's happening at the moment. Yeah, it's kind of, and it's almost a double-edged sword, David, because we were talk, I've been talking about it for the last couple months here. The hard thing is, I mean, it's great that we're kind of sheltering in place with people, but sometimes you're stuck sheltering in place with people that don't, don't really accept you. You have some parents that don't yeah. want you to be gay or oh something, and that kind of adds mm-hmm. to it. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's like it's good to be home and not really out in it, and maybe you're kind of being able to reach out, but when you're isolated with, people that mm-hmm. don't really understand you, that's tough too. So yeah, those are some hard numbers to deal with. So thanks for looking that stuff up. And Hannah, I, and some of the what's on your radar. Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead, David. I was just gonna say some of the I was just gonna back up what you said where they said some of the study, uh only twenty percent of trans or non binary people say they are respected, like their gender is respected by all or most people they know. Right. It's it's wild. You're right. Well, thanks for uh, for giving us those numbers. I appreciate it. Hannah, what came across your way today? Anything? Um, I was going to talk about um something a little more cheerful. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, the Hamilton, like Hamilton, they've like come out with a bunch of um like secrets that you should look for when you're watching Hamilton because that you know it came out on the Fourth of July and they like talk talking about how like there is like this character that you need to look out for while watching it um that is like in the background of every scene and she's known as the bullet and it's like an extra character um there um that is basically foreshadowing everybody's death um in the in the musical i don't know if you guys have seen hamilton but um i haven't yet but that is so cool I like that. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. She like she like the person who was is playing her, like she originally um tried out to be um Angelica Schuyler, who is like one of the main love interests or she's not like she's like a side love interest, if you haven't seen it. Um if you haven't seen it. Um but she then they were like, No, we have a way more important role for you. Um we're gonna you're gonna be the bullet and it's gonna it's just like so cool to like 'cause if you never like I've seen Hamilton before that and I listened to the soundtrack all the time and I had no idea that that was a thing until I'd read the article and I was like, Oh my gosh, like and so now you just like notice her through like she's like very background, it's super subtle. But like there's a character that's like flirting with her at one point. There's the care, you know, like it's just. I think that's so interesting. How like the all the intricacies of that, like that you wouldn't think about if you had just watched it, you know. That is wild. I love that. I knew mm-hmm. nothing about that at all. That is very cool. 
Did you guys hear yes. about the big blue check controversy at Twitter today? No. What was that? Well, what was that about? I guess some hackers hacked into like these big name accounts like Barack oh, Obama, yes. Kanye West, this. right, Joe Apple. Biden, no. Bill Gates, Elon Musk. They they hacked into their accounts and started tweeting buy our bitcoins or something. I don't know exactly oh what the tweets were, but something about uh, buying yeah. bitcoins. And do you know they what it was, David? Send them. Yeah, they wanted you to say at least the one on Kanye's page was they wanted you to send Bitcoin, and they would uh, send double what you sent back. Uh, that's what the scam said, at least. Okay, I knew it was some scam, something about Bitcoin. But they hit all of these real accounts from Obama, like I said, Obama, Kanye West, Joe Biden, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Apple, Tim Cook. And so Twitter shut down anyone that had a verified account. They shut down so they couldn't tweet for a couple hours today. <laughs> and the Twitter sphere went crazy. All these actors and everything couldn't, couldn't post anything. That's and if it nuts. doesn't happen on Twitter, I guess it doesn't happen, right? But, uh, yeah, now they don't know exactly – what, uh, how they got in, and it's kind of interesting to know that it, anyone can be hacked these days. It's pretty crazy stuff, but it, it made the internet go crazy for us a little bit. So it was wild. That's that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it was wild stuff. That's for sure. Well, that's all I had. It was kind of a slow news day today. Anything else either of you guys had you want to talk about today? Um. I heard that Tyra Banks is actually going to be the new host for Dancing with the Stars also, which I thought that was kind of a weird choice for me. I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was mostly looking at entertainment news. so She's got to get a good – she has a good agent or something because didn't she kind of sneak into America's Got Talent too? So she's doing all those reality yes. shows now. Yeah, she's doing everything now. <laughs> Like, she's coming back, I guess, after doing um, America's Next Top Model for, for so long. And, you know, she's iconic for that. But right. I don't know. Like, she had her talk show she, for a I, while. That's crazy. She's going yeah. on all these reality shows, though. Yeah. Very cool. Is she, yeah. Is she staying with America's Got Talent? I figure the, everybody's I trying to know. stay from Nick Cannon at the moment. I thought that put to that Terry Crews guy or that one other guy. Isn't that guy doing it now or something? I think there's a new person already. I think she's only oh, did America's Got Talent for a season or two. I think so. I'm not 100% sure. It's not one of the shows I usually watch, but I think I remember Terry Crews taking it over one year. I think Tyra Branks took it over for that Nick Cannon guy, um, and she did it for like a couple yeah. of years, and I think Terry Crews took it over from her last year, yeah. maybe the year before. I think so. I think that you're right. Yeah, that's crazy. I really like um, Jerry Cruz because um, I like. Brooklyn yeah, he's Nine pretty Nine, funny. So. He's pretty cool. He's really funny. <laughs> I like him. I like it. All right, if you guys had to go on a reality show, which reality show would you guys go on? Hannah, which one would you go on? Oh, um, I'd probably go on like. Oh, that's a good question. Probably like Amazing Race. I think that'd be really fun. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> I like I just like the challenge of it, and you like it's like long, and you get to travel all over the world for free. So like, I think that's kind of cool. Right. I think you get to enjoy it super a lot, but it seems like a fun time. There you go, David. What about you? What reality show would you go on? Does does uh like Chopped count as a reality show? Yeah, just, it does. Actually. It just sounds fun. Chopped, the 
it just sounds fun going. And I mean, I don't even have to be good, but being able to present <laughs> those like fancy chefs with something that tasted awful sounds really funny. <laughs> right. Cool. That would be cool. I kind of like the American race, but I like American race and uh, survivor would be cool because of the travel and because of the kind of the weird people, but I just can't eat those weird. I can't eat weird stuff. Chop would be fun because you have to make the weird stuff, but I don't think I could do where I had to eat the weird stuff. That would make, I would gag on that. That's why I didn't pick fear factor. I was like, I can't do fear factor for that reason for sure. I would never do fear factor. Oh, they do everything that I hate. You have to eat weird stuff. They throw bugs all over you and, Tarantula? Oh, oh no. no way in heck. Oh, no, no, no. I could you. not do that at all. All right, well, I guess we should get on with the show here. So we're going to have up first here in just a couple seconds, we're going to play our good buddies, fiancés, Josh and Jeff from Nashville, Tennessee. They have their weekly J&J Buzz Pop Culture Minute. We'll see what's on their radar this week. So uh, thanks for popping in, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Hannah oh, and to David. You. Let's go ahead and Hand it over to well, Josh thank you for and having Jeff. Us. Yes, thank you for having us. <laughs> no problem. We'll have you back in the end. Okay, go ahead. Okay. You are listening to Josh and Jeff on J and J Buzz exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. Now, live from Nashville, Tennessee. Here's Josh and Jeff. Hey, what's up? What up, what up? I am Josh. And I'm Jeff. And this is J&J Buzz. (laughs) What's up, cutie? What up? Yeah, you looking good today? Well, thank you, thank you. Y'all, we redid our bedroom and it looks great. It does look great. Uh, I will tell you, the bed is facing the window. I like, love it. Like in the middle of the room. And we have like a table behind the headboard. But I, it sounds weird, but I'm going to tell you, it is looking good. And nothing, uh, nothing beats waking up and seeing your beautiful face in the sunlight in the morning. <laughs> uh, very neat and Tidy. Yeah, it is. All right, so we've got a lot of news to cover, like always, so let's just jump right into it. Okay, did you hear about the couple in St. Louis that nope. held the guns at protesters walking in front of their home? The Black Lives Matter? <laughs> yes. Okay, you know, a few... No, back- I didn't hear that. What, what happened? Well, I guess they don't want people walking by their house, and a few weeks ago, they tried to sue their homeowner association for allowing gays to live in their gated community. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so they don't like the gays. They don't like the Black Lives Matter. Like protest, they just love their front yard. They're green grass. It sounds like they need to have green grass up on a mountain somewhere by themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. They do Co- not sound friendly at all. Yeah, well, uh, the Advocate reports that retired Canadian Olympian swimmer Martha McCabe revealed that she's a lesbian mm-hmm. in an interview with CBC Sports in Canada. She says that she hopes that by coming out, she can provide the type of strong and proud uh, LGBTQ role model that she never had growing up. I mean, I think we had a bunch of role models growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe not in Canada, but uh, here in the U.S., I 
I didn't ever feel like I didn't have a role model, but I didn't ever like look to anybody as a role model per se. I didn't either. If I just if I seen something I liked, then I yeah, I just liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You know how I knew that I was gay, though. Tell me. Well, um, when I would listen to like my Christina Aguilera genie <laughs> in a bottle in my car when I was driving, and then when I would get to the red light, I would have to like turn it down and put on like Tupac or something. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, of course. So that's that's how I knew. I don't know. Well, then. Okay, so, you know, the COVID-19 cases aren't just going up out here with us. They are also going up in prisons, too. What the COVID-19 is? Yes. So far, 510 inmates have died from it. And mm. some have had more than 65% of the whole population infected with COVID-19. Oh, God, that's crazy. But guess but what? On the bright side, I got off probation. Woohoo! Yes, Finally. you did. Finally, exactly. Free all the way. I am so excited, y'all. He's on probation. We're celebrating this week. Next week, we're going to Florida. Yes, I cannot wait. Stay at that resort. Anyway, we got to go. I'm Josh. And I'm Jeff. This is J&J Buzz. Buzz. This was J&J Buzz, exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. All righty, boys. Thank you for filling us in from Nashville, Tennessee. Very good. Always great to talk to Jeff and Josh. Guys, we are going to do my interview with Sam Harris. I actually talked to Sam the day before yesterday. We had to do a pre-tape with him. Um, like I said, if you're old like me, you remember him from the Star Search days, but you may remember him from all this time on Broadway and singing all over the country and television and now he's got this new book, so we're going to talk all about that. And then uh, we'll be back to close up the show in just a little bit. So let's go ahead and play a little song. And after the song, we'll have Sam Harris on, and I'll be back after a while. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network.
baby, it's a strange time. We're on a rocky road, overload, feeling confused. I look around and it blows my mind. It's been so wrong for so long, I'm feeling abused. But hey, hey, hey. And we we abide by all the rules, and uh, 
you know, I take my life into my hands when I go to the grocery store. But um, we're being smart about it. And we've seen a few people, you know, with smart social distancing. But, um, you know, it definitely wears on the psyche, doesn't it? I'm telling you, but you are bringing me some life, my friend. Uh, just watching Cooper giving you your haircut was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you, that was so. You and your manager swapping light bulbs and um, what was it? Uh, right. I think you you needed like yeast, some yeast, yeast or something. <laughs> oh my God! I, and Corona curly fries. You've been keeping me cracking up during this. Are you amusing oh, yourself? I hope. <laughs> well, you know, humor is the answer to all things, you know? I mean, we if I didn't have humor, I don't know how I would have survived my whole life. So we have to find the funny, um, and we have to laugh at ourselves and our environment. And that's the interesting thing about this. One of the, you know, there's always so many blessings in an obstacle, and one of the blessings is these people are just coming from everywhere with these clever, smart, funny uh, you know, things about COVID, about the Trump administration, we really need to laugh. And so it's unleashed talented people everywhere onto social media and YouTube to, to give us that chance, a little brevity. It really has. And you and Danny doing Getting to Know You was hilarious. I mean, you, don't, you like won't that? get to see him. I love that. You guys are so fun together. Absolutely amazing. Well, we've been together for 25 years, so you know we we know how to we know how to get through. <laughs> there you go. And I can't believe what Cooper turned 12 years old. He had a birthday in quarantine. You had a birthday last month in quarantine. Can you believe you're going to have a teenager soon? That's crazy, my friend. Oh my God, it's been you know they always say the days are long, the years are short, and it's true. It's he uh, and here he is. He's almost, you know, he's 12 and they didn't have school for three months. And then he's doing we just finished. He's got a uh, he's doing Zoom cooking classes. So he just finished making these individual pizzas from scratch. And, you know, we're just trying to find things that aren't just sitting completely in front of the computer. But he's doing great. We're all doing great. We're going to take a trip this summer to Montana where we're the only guests nice. on a ranch. And um, we're going to, you know, go horseback riding and fly fishing, and although I have issues with that, and water rafting. <laughs> and the nearest town the nearest town is 20 minutes away, and the population is 15. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. So well, I feel like we'll that be safe. You, there you go. Tell me Cooper is getting Oklahoma pizza training and not California pizza training and doing like cauliflower crust or anything Is he doing good pizza no no no. we 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 don't we don't do cauliflower crust we don't do (laughs) we're completely we love gluten and we don't do any of that crap there you go that's some good parenting i like it i like it a lot (laughs) (laughs) well let's talk about music a bit i mean we open with changes on the way which you kind of loaned to the obama um campaign back in the day i've been listening to the lyrics for the last couple days knowing i was going to play it how poignant is that still today and even more so right yes even more so it's so funny that you mentioned that because well it's not funny it's appropriate because somebody brought that up to me and i thought oh my god and i sat down like you just played and i listened to those lyrics and i looked at that and i thought you know because i wrote it for the obama campaign that that time and i thought it's an even stranger time. It's even more confusing and more scary. And 
Yes. So we definitely intend to attach that to as many Biden events and things as, as we can, because change has to be on the way. It must be on the way or we're screwed. Exactly. Well, I'm so happy. I mean, your voice is so powerful, literally, but I mean, your songs have always been such great representation from War on War and My Reclamation for LGBT Wedding to Bullying a couple years ago with Don't Yuck My Yum, which I love. Talk about (laughs) getting these kind of, I mean, anthems. Are you able, are you writing during this time? I know you were promoting a book. We're going to talk about that, but you're a singer songwriter first and foremost. Are these times kind of giving you some inspiration? Because your anthems are just spot on every time, my friend. Wow. Well, thank you. I'm sad to say I have not been writing any music at all. Um, I am Mm. focusing on the book, and also I have a television series that I wrote that I uh, sold to a, a, a major production company and producer. And also my, you know, you mentioned the book, Ham, and then the play, Ham, the a musical memoir. And we uh, filmed it at the Pasadena Playhouse, which is uh, this gorgeous, gorgeous 1920s stunning theater. And we filmed it there. And so we now have a, a wonderful distributor and that should hopefully be on the air by the end of the year. So between these three things going on, I have not been uh, writing music and I haven't been singing, frankly. I mean, I've done a number of, mm. you know, Zoom, Zoom interviews and I've had the, the, I love teaching master classes. I've done a few of those things on Zoom. So I'll sing now and then, but I haven't really sung song in a long time. It's, it's very peculiar. Right. I think the last time we talked was when you were going down to, the Purple Room in Palm Springs back last yes. summer, and then you're going to be there in December, I know, and you're Catalina quite a bit. That's got to be kind of a, a jolt to miss those things because it's always such a great show that you put on. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. You know, last year we closed the season at the Purple Room, you know, because they shut down for the summer because it's 175 degrees, and then we right. opened it for the next season. And so we were set to do the same thing this year, and I was to play there, I guess it was in mid-June. And, you know, there's just, there's no way for so many reasons. First of all, first and foremost right. is health. Secondly, I'm not going to, I'm not just not going to be around people. And thirdly, who's going to come? So, um, right. it, you know, we have to postpone that, but it's a great place to play. And Michael, who runs it, is just extraordinary. I've had great experiences there. But we will return, you know, uh, we, all of us will return. It's just uh, it's temporary, but we just don't know the end date. Oy. There you go. Well, I'm excited about the uh, Ham musical coming. I did see that you guys recorded Pasadena Playhouse. I love experiences there. I've been there a few times when I used to live in Southern California. Such a beautiful venue for that. Um, and it's going to be on television, you're hoping, or is it looking for like a streaming outlet or what do you what do you shopping well, no, no, for it right would now? Be, it would be on television as a streamer. It would be, and I can't talk too much because there's stuff in the works. But it would be on gotcha. a a, a, gotcha. ma- a major streamer that it would be you know on air and available uh, in this last quarter. Fantastic. And you know what, Scott? Yeah. I'm so proud of this because you know I mean, Ham the book was a memoir. It was essays and stories, and but it was a memoir. And uh, 
instead of doing readings in bookstores, which is typically what you do when you have, you know, when you launch a book, I was doing right. theaters and singing. I would read something and then sing something that was appropriate to that. And it started to find this sort of uh, developing this sort of chronological, you know, linear experience. And then my friend Susie Dietz, who's a wonderful producer of theater, saw me do that in New York. And she said, you know, Sam, this is a play. This is a musical. And I said, well, I know. Uh, and she goes, let's do it. Let's make this happen. So my brilliant music director, Todd Schroeder, who I've been working with for almost 30 years, unbelievably. Right. Um, he and I, because uh, we're both in L.A., we went to New York. And my, my dear friend, Billy Porter, who uh, most people don't realize is a, really a fine director and dramaturg. And so we, the three of us, sat in a rehearsal room for three or four weeks and really developed this into the play, Ham, a musical memoir. And then original songs were written, and uh, we did it, Billy directed it in New York, and then we did it here in Los Angeles, and Ken Sawyer, who's a really, I mean, brilliant director, then took it to a completely different le level because we now we had budget and we had theater, and, and then we filmed it. So it's great because I have to be honest with you, Scott, it is the hardest show I've ever done. It is physically, vocally, and probably emotionally foremost. Uh, it wrecked me. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I would call a prison show, which means you can do nothing else. You can't speak. Right. You can't do. It's all about the show. And so now that it's been filmed and it lives forever, it's great because I am so proud of this. And it's so personal that it goes on, you know, and so hopefully we will all this stuff will come together in the time we think it will. It will be on by the end of this year and people can see what this is. And I'm really proud of it. Oh, you should be. I mean, that's all. I did not know that Billy did that drama show's work. I mean, that's kind of an amazing story in and of itself. But I was going to ask you, that's one of my questions on this, because it is a memoir and so personal, and you're reliving these. I mean, you do it. There's a lot of comedy in it, but there's also yes. you're living your life again every time you're on the stage. That had to be really hard work. How How do you kind of box that stuff in and kind of let that go when you try to go home to the to the husband and kids? Well, that's a really good point because, you know, as an actor, when you're playing a role, you imbue that character with your own personal private experiences to give it life. Because, right. But you're moving it into some, another dialogue. In this situation, they were real instances in my life that were, you know, true. And so there's no substitution. It's not like, oh, I'm going to bring in the time such and such. It really did happen. And so it was harder in some ways because I had to try mm. to be in that place and go through that thing. And even though, like you said, there's a lot of comedy, there's, there's a lot of other stuff too. I mean, it's, it's poignant, it's tragic, there's a suicide attempt, there's a, a lot of things that I had to then do every night that I did the show. Right. And it was brutal. I have to say it was brutal. It was joyous to me, and I loved the way that it was received. And I like to think that it uh, did move people, but it was rough. So I'm really happy to have it on film. So I don't have to do it again <laughs> unless I really want to. <laughs> 
There you go. I like it. That's a good good reason in and of itself there. Just to pause there. It's like, oh, yeah, it's really good. Watch that over there. <laughs> Let me give exactly. you the, the Netflix right. code here. <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right. Well, let's jump into the book for a second. Literary yeah. fiction is a new genre for you, but you're no stranger to writing fiction. I mean, people may not remember, but the all-seeing live of my Left of Straight uh, research staff remembers you co-creating and even writing a couple episodes of a little TV series called Down to Earth that had Dick Sargent pulling a second bewitched move and a future Beverly Hills housewife. <laughs> so you are not new yes. to the fiction thing, my friend. No, <laughs> Welcome well, that, back. Was a, that was a half-hour comedy, and I was it was so young. It was actually at the same time that Star Wars was happening. And so my, my collaborator, Bruce Newberg, and I created the series – and sold it, and it was on TBS, and it was the first original programming they had done, or TNT, something with a T. And I wrote the first season with Bruce, and then I left because Star Search happened, and that whole side of my life and career was changing. And right. uh, the show ran for four years. And so that was, yes, I was, you know, it's like when you're that young, I was 23 or 22 or whatever it was, 22. Right. And all these things were happening, and you're like, I, you don't know until you look back. It's like, what? I sold and wrote a television <laughs> series when I was 22? Because it all just seemed, just go, go, easy, easy, just go. It was unusual. So I was very lucky in that way. And I've written for the stage, you know, different acts and a couple of musicals. And so I'm not a stranger to writing, and certainly am, but going into fiction – my friend, is a daunting task. It is the most personal, intimidating, and just the investment of time even. I mean, you know, when you hear someone say, oh, it took X amount of years for a play to get to Broadway, you know, five years to to write and 10 years to get financing, all that stuff – people don't really understand that that is so true. It's like, I've been working on this book for years and it's personal. I mean, it's fiction, but you know, I'm in every one of these characters and it's just, I mean, this makes it sound funny, but it's just so, it's 120,000 words. It's a lot of words. And so you never finish. No, 300,000 pages, right? Yeah. Yeah. 300, whatever, 80 pages. So there's always something to fix and change and make better or just go through and like, oh, I should have put a comma here. And finally, it's pushing send on your laptop and saying, I have to be done now. I am done now. I have to let this baby go out of all these hours and all of this time and all of this investment and uh, let it go into the hands and hearts, hopefully, of readers. And you and I were talking a little bit before we went on the air and – it's different from anything else in that, you know, when you write a TV, let's say you wrote a film or a TV show, it comes out. It lets people see it. You know, it's a play. It has an opening night. People see it. With a book, right. it's slow burn. It's a different thing because every some people read the book in three days. Some people read a book in two months. And so it's right now this initial time because the book came out July 1st. And, you know, I feel so grateful because the response we're getting, the reviews we're getting, the customer reviews we're getting, it's really thrilling. I'm so proud of this piece. It's probably the most – it's definitely the best work I've ever done. 
It's exciting to me. And I don't know what, if you know about the story, it's there's two of uh, the current story in present time and the story in 1968, rural Oklahoma. Uh, as you said, the title is the substance of all things. And it follows a boy who, when he was six years old, was in a horrific car accident with his family, which killed his mother, disabled his father and him and CEO's hands. And then that was this incident that changed their lives forever, obviously. And then it's 12 years old right. is when the book takes place. And he learns through this outcast Native American uh, that he has the power to heal through his disfigured hands. And what that means for him, the burden of that gift, how it's exploited, how the church, the Bible thumpers – basically drive him out of town. And this is juxtaposed with the adult Theo, who is now a therapist, and his work with a very, very damaged, broken woman. And it's through his work with her that he's able to find the courage to look back at the summer in 1968 that haunted and forever changed him. So this is not a comic light little read. This is, I mean, there's plenty of humor in it, Scott. Right. There's plenty of humor in it, but <laughs> it's some serious shit. Well, exactly. And it's like, I love a book, though, that has kind of a deeper meaning. It's a healer who needs to heal. The fact that you yep. time jumped 50 years. I mean, just the, the right. amount of work you put on yourself, my friend, is daunting in and of itself. But just to be able to carry that off and just bring those themes together, I think, is amazing. Absolutely love it. So good on you, man. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, and, and I, as I was saying, these characters, I, there's a lot of me in young Theo, and, but all of the characters. And, of course, it's set in this 1968, which was such a tumultuous time in our nation's history. And there are, very, there are similarities. There's also a similarity in the, in the themes that I had no idea would be timely in that there is a major theme of touching and being touched and the inability mm -hmm. to do so. And so right now, when everybody is isolated and recognizing what the value of touching, just holding someone, and uh, there is a character who cannot, it's an actual condition, half a phobia, in which she cannot be touched or it hurts, it physically hurts. So mm. it's, a, it's a lot of stuff, but ultimately it's an inspiring story, it's uplifting it is about healing and relationships. It's about Theo's relationship with his father um, and his little sister who was born the night his mother died. Mm. So it's a lot. Plus, I have that wonderful, colorful environment that I grew up in, in rural Oklahoma. And the colloquialisms right. and the accents and the, you know, just the, the culture of the time. And it's set in a small town called Dalton, which is loosely based on the small town of Sand Springs that I grew up in. So they say, write what you know, and then you go from there, right? <laughs> well, talk about translating that. Like you said, you have written, even Ham was kind of slice of life moments of your life, and you've written for Broadway and for shows which are set in acts and everything. Talk about writing something more historical with a, with a straight timeline that has such a time-jumping element to it. That's got to be just a degree of difficulty that I can't imagine. Well, the first draft was just young Theo. It was only his story. 
And uh, an editor who I trusted said, what happens to Theo? What happens to him? And that's when the second story came, which set off a whole new thing. So that's when the second story of of Theo as an adult and as a therapist with his woman is dealing with his woman. That came. And then I realized that it informed how it informed the first story. So at one point, it really was because I kind of – I write in a flow. I kind of just go, and it comes, and it comes, and it comes, and it's so exciting. And I read later. I'm like, I don't remember that. Or I'll write and think, what's mm. going to happen? But, <laughs> but in the case with these two stories, that. there was a point where my dining room table was filled with tiny little slips of paper that had plot points and, and, the, and also in the therapy sessions because all of the story in the, the older Theo is in therapy sessions. It's in his office. So gotcha. they were literally laid out like a puzzle piece and move. And I took a picture of it um, and sent it to my mom. And I said, what have I gotten myself into? Because it was just <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, figuring out how these, how the stories related, what inspired what. And it did at that point, it became about creating the structure. So it was a different head. It was a different mentality, but you know, it, it does work together and it does intertwine and they go at different paces and, I got it. You know, it's so funny because when you're talking about something you've created to an audience who, for the most part, hasn't seen that product yet, because I just keep wanting to say, I can't wait for you to read this. I just can't wait for you to read this. (laughs) (laughs) You should feel that way. And it's also got to be strange, too. I mean, as a singer that has vocal work out there, you're performing and they're they're getting it real time, right? Because you're singing a song and they're getting it right there. Here they have to read through to get through the entire gist of it. It's got to be a little frustrating, I would think, too, doing this. But, I mean, rewarding, but frustrating, too. When I I finish a song, I get applause. I finish the book, and now I'm waiting a very long time for the applause. There you go. Have Danny and Cooper sitting in the background there. Every time you get a review, they can do a little applause for you. I love it. They do. They do. I say, well, we just got another review. (laughs) No, they're very excited. My husband has been so supportive and so amazing through this because it is such an isolated uh, experience writing. You know, it's just you in a room. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I love performing. I love performing. But the process of creating, I've said many times, I could live in a rehearsal room. That's where I live. That's where I have my greatest joy because you're experimenting, you're changing, you allow yourself to fail. You allow yourself to get an idea from nowhere. And it just, and it's different mm-hmm. because when you're performing, it has to be the same to a degree because you have to be recreating to keep it alive and to keep it fresh. But in a rehearsal right. room, there's a freedom. Oh, my God, I could live in And you have to drag. I'm always the first person, whether it's a show I wrote that I'm in, or one of my shows, or a show you know, that I'm a cast member. I'm always the first person there. I don't like to take breaks. I don't want to eat lunch. I just want to stay. You have to make me leave the room. I just <laughs> love it. I love the right. process. Well, that's one of my questions I had down the line here, and we'll go to that now. Talk about going through COVID quarantine, now you're able to spend time daily with your son. You're able Mm -hmm. to kind of work with your husband more and you have this time together. And we're both at a place in our lives where it's kind of nice to look back, but it's kind of nice to have this downtime. Are you enjoying the downtime? 
Um, is it something that even, I mean, it's not for a great reason, obviously, but is it something that you can see yourself, can you see yourself ever retiring like this or just that's never in the cards for Sam Harris? I don't, I can't imagine not doing something. Um, it's strangely, there's not been a lot of downtime between mm. readying the book for this and these other two projects I mentioned. And for some reason, we're wearing so many more clothes than we did before. I don't know how <laughs> or why, but there's always 15 loads of laundry. I'm cooking every day. And, you know, our life hasn't, I'm never not busy. And, you know, there are different dynamics because although I haven't been, I've been purposely not traveling as much, near as much, because I want to be here as a father. It's my first priority. So that's why some right. of these projects, like the writing, like the TV show, like doing ham here and, and filming it here, these are things that I can do from my world. The tricky part is that my husband, Danny, has traveled for his work for the last 17 years and he's gone three or four days a week cooper's been at school right. or cooper's been at summer camp now everybody's in my house <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> they're funny. in my house they're disrupting my schedule and my needs and so it's actually been while the changes have been more dramatic for danny because he's not traveling right. somebody's in my environment <laughs> And so, but it's that. great. And we're just working out and we're just trying to find ways to be in the world. You know, we went to the beach and we just, we didn't want to be around anybody. And so, you know, we went in the water, but we didn't want to sit near anybody. It's just, we're trying to figure it out. We go bike riding, we go hiking. Um, we're going to Montana. Yeah. Exactly. Um, right. Did I tell you about Montana? You did. You said about Montana. That sounds amazing. 15 people or something in the town has got to be. Kind of an exciting thing to be looking forward to. Fifty. Okay. Fifteen people. Uh, Fifteen. One five. No, one 15. five. Fifteen. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's somebody who runs like the you know, the blacksmith and the butcher and the mayor. I think no one else <laughs> lives there. <laughs> I was gonna say the sheriff delivers your mail on Tuesdays or something. Probably. Precisely. That's hilarious. Exactly. I love it. Well, talk about, I mean, I talk to performers all day long on the radio show. That's what I do. And the only thing they kind of miss in the Zoom world as well is getting that feedback. Talk about doing these virtual book tours um, where you right. don't really have the immediate feedback that you would get in a concert in person or Barnes & Noble or something like that. How do you adapt yourself to those things? And are you still finding them kind of uh, interesting, different ways to do things? Well, I think I'm learning all the time. It is, it's hard. The Zoom thing is a challenge um, right? because you have to look into a camera, so you don't necessarily get to look at the person that you're actually speaking to, and they're not even there. So it's a different mentality. Meanwhile, I think people are so open to exchanges and trading things, whether it's ideas or creativity or information, that I find that the things that I've done, like I mentioned, I've done some master classes on Zoom, and I think about these kids who cannot go. They're not going to school. They're not going to college. They're not going to their right. acting class. And to be able to, because it never would have occurred to, you know, those of us who've done some master classes, we go to that college. And we spend a day or two and we do an intensive to be able to do a master class with kids, talented kids who need a place to perform, express themselves and learn. And they can be from anywhere in the country. And I'm sitting in my living room. So there's something right. extraordinary about that. And I think that this will forever change the way we think about the possibilities. 
because who's to, just as if many people are, may never go back to a, a physical working place because they've learned they could do everything they need to from home. The same thing can be said for teaching, for uh, that kind of exchange. I mean, when I see these kids, God bless them because it's brutal. And they're in their bedroom singing along to a track or some, you know, virtual pianist somewhere. And they're, right. they're giving themselves to this. Meanwhile, it's like, what are they giving themselves for? <laughs> they're giving themselves so one day they'll be able to do it live. And right now there's no live theater. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's it breaks 22. my heart. Oh, exactly. so true. Oh, Sam Harris, I can't wait to read the book myself. I know it's just been out for a week now. I have my copy ordered. should be here any day. What that's so exciting. Anything now that you have birthed this baby, so to speak, yeah, I'm sure you're uh-huh. doing some virtual book tours. What's next on the uh, Sam Harris bandwagon after Montana? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's funny, and I'll just be I'll be frank with you. It's funny because whenever I through my career, which has been quite long, and somebody says, "What's next?" and I'm like, "What do you mean, what's next? This is what's happening. This is what I'm doing." <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> You know what I mean? I've got these other projects that are coming forward. But my heart and soul right now is in getting this book out and being able to talk about it. And it's right now, it is, you know, there's no bookstores. There's no bookstores. So this is exclusively on Amazon.com, the substance of all things. And uh, I just, um, and by the way, Scott, this is a freaking movie. When you read the book, you will call me and say, this is a movie. Because, and that could very well the you know the next step of this project but for now i'm really living in celebrating it and getting it out there and nervous and excited about its reception and i'm really grateful to you for letting me talk about it you're my bud and we have done this occasionally and it feels good well i appreciate you every time you take the chance to come on sam you're so talented and i can't wait for all the great things we're going to see coming of this because i what I was finishing up with. I think we were going to have a movie out of this. It's just uh, everything you do is just amazing, my friend. Thanks for taking the time. I so appreciate it. You know, I'll just say one more thing. A lot of the re- – because, of course, the theme is healing. And one of the reviews was really touched me in that it said it, it, about the theme of healing at a time in which we need it most. And mm. I do, man, I do believe that we need to cry and laugh uh, about the human condition, and we need a little healing. So timing is everything. And I've got to do changes on the way. It's got to be for the Biden, for the Biden campaign. There you go. Exactly. Well See? said. Well, uh, <laughs> give that husband and son of yours a big hug for everyone that's out, out here and let them know the website address real quick. That's where they can find the book and everything else, Sam Harris. Yeah, samharris.com is me. And um, I so appreciate this, Scott. You are very welcome, my friend. You are welcome back anytime, as always. Stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out to another Sam Harris song. This is uh, my reclamation. We need to own everything that's going on in the world right now, guys. Do your best to change it and make it a better place out there. So, Sam Harris, stay on the line. We'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. When the river is too wide to cross And the water is raging too fast When we see the destination But cannot make our way 
We will build a bridge of brotherhood and cross the river at last. When the air is cold and black with hate, and the fog of condemnation burns our eyes. When the shadows of oppression keep us hidden from the sun, you can climb upon my shoulders until we reach the skies. For it is not enough to want a need And deserving doesn't make it true I believe hate fails and love prevails Take a stand, the man, justice overdue My Reclamation by our guest, Sam Harris. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Short show tonight because we couldn't have Terry and Mel on. I'm so sad about their streaming being canceled. They had this, uh, if you don't know about electricity, uh, Terry wrote the play. It's about two guys that meet at their five-year reunion 
or no, excuse me, their 10-year reunion, and then they meet every 10 years at the reunion and kind of talks about the relationship through those uh, five decades of their life. It's a pretty interesting show, and they kind of age themselves and everything. So it's really cool. They're going to be doing a streaming version of it, hopefully very soon. It was supposed to start tomorrow, but now because of COVID, it's been moved back. So a big shout-out to Sam Harris. If you haven't picked up his book, it is fantastic. Be sure to check it out. It's called The Substance of All Things. It's a fiction book, but it kind of has that supernatural healing element to it. Very, very cool. And a big shout-out to our buddies Josh and Jeff from J&J Buzz. Thanks for sharing your Pop Culture Minute today. And David and Hannah are back with us. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. appreciate it. Thanks for running the boards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> problem. Happy to be here. All right. Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up today. Um, you can follow the interns at Instagram and Twitter at Left of Straight Radio. That's L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight radio. Also on Left of Straight Radio Facebook page. You can follow me on at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram without the radio or Scott Fullerton is my personal page. And we got some fun videos coming at you this week, and lots of guests will be here for the next two days at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern Time with brand-new shows for you. Tomorrow we're going to have two new interviews, and since it's Thursday, we're going to have our special correspondent, Ramis Ellis, do her foodie minute with us. Last uh, two weeks ago when she was on, she gave us a couple of recipes for some amazing uh, shrimp and fettuccine Alfredo and for stuffed peppers. And this week, I think she's talking about a couple restaurants and food trucks that we have to be on the lookout for. So we got her coming on tomorrow. And then we're going to have singer-songwriter Ryan Casada on, kicking things off. And then filmmaker, writer, director, and producer Edwin Alexis Gomez will be on to talk about his new film, that uh, called Joyride that is out right now. It's on PBS and as part of a grant for PBS Latino. So great show tomorrow. Hannah, anything, words of wisdom for our audience before we go today? Uh, everybody stay safe and have a great rest of your day. There you go. David, any other final words? No, I think she said it best. There you go. Guys, thanks for listening to the Straight Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Bye.